0: And what a great way uh, to just start the new year is right here. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to take them and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Now, Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books in all of the Scripture. And, uh, and chapter 6 is one of the most just preeminent, I think, most important things um, in, in the whole book. So if you've got your Bibles, take them really quickly and find Deuteronomy chapter 6. That'll be the fifth book of the Bible. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Have you ever had somebody ask you a question that really wasn't the question that they wanted answered? For example, husbands, if if you were getting ready this morning and your wife walked in and says, do I look good in this? Or if she says, do these jeans make me look fat? Those are questions that you don't, I mean, there's not a good answer to those. I mean, you just put something in your mouth and start chewing. That's a time for a Snickers or something like that. But I remember growing up, I loved college basketball. I loved to play basketball. One of my favorite things to do was to watch the post-game interview with Bob Knight. At the time, he was coaching the, uh, the Indiana Hoosiers. And uh, I remember one, sp- one particular instance where um, they, had just, they had just beat Temple. And, uh, and so right after the the game is over, Leslie Visser, she gets up and she gets Bob Knight right there and she says, Coach Knight, how did you, how did you guys beat Temple tonight? And he paused for just a second and he said, well, we scored more points than they did. I don't, I don't know if they teach you this in, uh, in broadcast school, but uh, when the buzzer sounds, the team that's ahead, who has more points, and she's like, ha, 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 ha. But he had a great way of getting really to the heart of the matter. And what we're going to do today is we're really going to try to take a look back, and we're going to take a look at really what is the heart of the matter. What's the first things? What's our priority in 2017? One of the great things about the new year is it gives us an opportunity to look back, to reflect, to remember what all has happened in the last year. And so I want just to take a second to to ask you, you, did you know God last year? Did you love God last year in 2016? Did you put God first last year? Did you give God your best? What are some things that drew you close to God? What are some things that, that were an obstacle to your relationship with the Lord? What changed for you last year? One of, my, one of my other favorite things is at the end of the year, you know, you see all the, all the people of importance, all the celebrity folks who, who went on to be with either Jesus or not Jesus, through the year. But it's that remembrance and who all died and there's the montage of all that and you look and you're like, oh, oh, oh. You know, and there's all the people that you see and all the things that changed throughout the year. What, what big change for you? For some of us, there was one fewer person at the Christmas dinner table this year. For some of us, it, it was a new job change. You had got a new house It was a job loss. It was an address change. Maybe some of you guys are new to Austin. This is your first January here in Austin or the greater Austin area. New friends, new faith family, new schools. Maybe you had a new face in the family. Anybody have a a baby born in 2016? That's a big deal. If you're fostering, maybe you had several faces in your house, new faces to love. A lot changes. Some of you guys might have had a doctor's visit that changed everything, that really rocked your world. Some of you had a wedding, whether it was yours or whether it was a, a son or a daughter, or a grandson, granddaughter. And some are thinking about throwing in the towel on their marriage. And some of you guys, you, had, you grew closer to God in 2016, it was the best year you've ever had. And some of you grew closer to God in 2016 and it was the worst year you've ever had. Some of you might have, have, have grown cold towards God over the past year. Some of us today would just say, you know what, I just flat out blew it in 2016. I need, I need to restart. So right here's what I want you to do, I want you to take just a second, I want you to look around the room. Just take a, take a gander around at the people around. It's okay, you, can, you know, your head swivels like this, you can go ahead and turn your shoulders even. It's always dangerous whenever I turn this way and I see myself on the screen that way because this part of my head is not doing too great. I try to keep that off the camera. So if you guys can help me with that, that'd be great. But if you look around, you'll you'll see that probably the first part of the year, last year, you might have sat close to someone who's no longer here. They may have gone on to be with the Lord. And if the odds are, if statistics hold true, then then there will be several people who are not here at this time, January 2018, for several different reasons. Some people will move. Their jobs will take them somewhere else. Some people will be headed off to the mission field. They'll be leaving the country, maybe leaving this area. Some people will, will, will leave, but they're not really leaving. They're going to come and help us join and, and start a new church and a church plant up in the north part. And so there's going to be that, that little bit of an exodus right there. And then some we'll just stop going to church altogether. Some of you guys will fall completely away from the Lord this year, if you're not careful. And then there will be some that will go on to eternity, either to spend it with the Lord or separated from Him for all eternity, if the law of averages holds out. And it, and it probably will. Some of us came to the end of 2016 much differently than, than you began, and for some it was for the much for the better. Some of you would say, man, it was, it was much for the worse. But as we, as we take a look back, it also gives us an opportunity to look forward, and it gives us an opportunity to reset, to reestablish, to rethink, and to reestablish our priorities. What are the first things, and how do we make the first things first? So everybody makes New Year's resolutions. Well, pretty much everybody. A lot of people. Most of the New Year's resolutions revolve around two different things. One is they, they want to get in shape, so there's the, they want to take care of their physical health. And the other one really is, is people want to take care of their spiritual health. So you know what? We were really out of church on 2016, and we're going to start 2017 off right, and we're going to get back in church. If you want to go to the why, this is not the week to do it, okay? Because everyone else and their brother is going to be there. Give it about six days, then head back, it'll be cleared out. Um, that's just the way it works. Um, we get all fired up about all this stuff and, uh, and then we just really don't follow through. But really this is one of the best times of the year to invite people to come to church with you because in that looking, in that reestablishment, in that kind of evaluation of self, a lot of times we see, you know what, this is something that's in my life that I, I want to be here that is not. And this is something that I don't want to be here that is. So this is the time it's a natural restart, it's a natural good time to make a change. So today I hope the message that you take home with you is the message of Deuteronomy, which is basically this. God gives us his best, and we want to give him our best. And when we do that, it will be blessed for us. We will be blessed if we give God our best. So the word Deuteronomy I don't know if, uh, we got some Bible scholars in here, I'm sure. If you know what the word Deuteronomy means, it literally means this second law. And kind of here's what's going on. God, a long time ago, had made a promise, a covenant to the man named Abraham. And part of that promise, that revolved around land, and part of it revolved around um, blessing and family and many, and the whole world's going to be blessed. God said, I'm going to bless those that bless you, I'm going to curse those that curse you. And, and that piece of land was called the, the land of promise, the promised land, Canaan land. It's all got all kinds of different names, but it's all wrapped up in the, what we know now as the nation of Israel. And if you've been watching the news lately, you've seen a whole lot going on with this little, this little nation of Israel that's really no bigger than the size of New Jersey. It's, it's a very small piece of property in the world, but it is a super, super significant piece of property. And, and really, to, to wrap everything up, kind of if I could put it in a nutshell, it'd be like, hey, I'm here, I'm in a nutshell. But my poor attempt at humor. My, my daughters call that a dad joke. So. But really, here's what you need to know about, about Israel. When God covenanted with Abraham, he, he said, I will bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you, and, and that he, he promised that this would be their land, their, their land. So, really what you want is you want your nation, wherever you live, to be a friend and an ally of Israel. Okay? So, so we want to support the nation of Israel. Because this covenant is an everlasting covenant. Well, back in Moses' day, the promised land, it, it belonged to them, but they were not in it yet. So, if you'll remember, we'll kind of backtrack just a little bit. So, we've got Abraham. God made the covenant with him, and he had a son named... Anybody? Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So now we've got Israel or Jacob who had 12 sons who become the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And as they have gone around, you remember Joseph was sold off into slavery and his brothers were deciding whether they wanted to, to sell him or to kill him. And you think you had a tough time over Christmas with your relatives and your dysfunctional family. Not uh, Joseph, and he got shipped off down into Egypt. Through that whole set of circumstances, God uses it to change the entire course of his family. He brings his family down into the, the northern part of Egypt, and they, they settle in Goshen, which is just south of where Israel is. But they're on their way back, because over time, the people get to be a whole lot. And the Pharaoh, who doesn't remember Joseph at the time, he starts seeing all of these Israelites, and they go great in number. And he says, if they decide to overtake us, they can do it. So here's what he did. He treated them harshly. He put them into slavery. He made them make bricks, and there was a whole lot of hard times until there was a guy named Moses who comes on the scene. And God speaks to Moses through this burning bush, and he goes into Pharaoh, and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And my favorite memory is the Charlton Heston. Let my people go. I mean, that's always what I thought Moses was. I mean, he was like this stud of a dude. That's probably not really how he was, though. But he did that. And Pharaoh said, no dice, Jack. And so God placed a plague on the, on the nation of Egypt. And then this happened over and over and over and over until the 10th time, and when finally Pharaoh says, okay, you guys, you guys get out of here. And so Moses takes the people, God parts the Red Sea, they proceed out and head towards the land of promise. And as they journey there, a lot of stuff happens. We get the Ten Commandments, we get the tabernacle, we get all kinds of stuff. The the Ark of the Covenant is is taken into place. We get sacrificial laws. We get all this stuff, these offerings and how we are supposed to treat God, how to put him first. God basically tells the people how to live in relationship to him and live successfully. But they don't always do that. Kind of like we don't always do that. It's like knowing the right thing to do and still just not being able to do it, um, man, that's just hard. It's hard for us. And so before they go into the land, they send out some spies, and some spies come back and they say, you know what, land is great, it's awesome, but there's a lot of really big giants in the land and we can't take it, so we need to go ahead and not, not do this. Except for two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, who they came back and they said, you know what. God is is the big God. He's more gianter than the giants there, and he's told us that this is our land, so he told us to go take it, so what are we waiting for? The people said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and take a rain check on that. And because of it, none of them got to go into the land that God had promised. They spent the next 40 years wandering around in the desert until they all died. And a new generation, a younger generation, who had not been a part of that disobedience came into play. And then finally, God says, after 40 years, he says, Moses, it's time. So Moses gathers up all the people, and for 40 days, back in around 1410 B.C., Moses for 40 days, when he's 120 years old, he gathers up the people and he, he tells them, he retells the second law, the history of who God is, who you are whose people you are, how to act, how to get it. And he, he preambles a little bit in the first four chapters, retelling how they got to where they are. And then whenever he gets to chapter six, he gets awesome. So if you're in there, uh, take your Bibles, chapter six, verse four. And here's what Moses says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Let's pray. God, as we continue through this scripture today, Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts the importance of getting the first things first. In Jesus' name, amen. So Moses is a guy who knows how to keep the first things first. And listen, how, I love how he structures this. The first thing he does is he, he puts God where he's supposed to be. He says, God is not just the God, God is our God, and God is one. One God. Now that was very, very different than most of the religions of the day who were, who were polytheists, and they had a grain God, and they had a harvest God, and they had a sun God, and they had this God, and they worshiped God after God after God after God after God, hoping that they would receive some sort of a blessing in an impersonal, like they're just trying to do good enough. God is not like that. This is where we get our whole concept of monotheism is from this, that God is one. He's one God. There is no God like the one God that we worship. It is incredible thought. God is the only God that's God. And that is repeated throughout scripture. So if you're gonna know how to keep the first things first in 2017, then the first thing you need to do is you need to know who God is. God is God. Uh, there's not really much bigger than that, so that's, that's it. God is God, and I'm not, and you're not. Sometimes we try to play that part, and it usually doesn't turn out very well for us. So the first thing is, man, submit yourself to God. Submit your plans to God. Put God first. But knowing about who God is isn't enough. Do you remember whenever Facebook, not too long ago, for those of you who are Facebook social media users, there's the like button, you know, where you can hit a post and it says like, and used to people would say, oh, I wish I could love this. And then Facebook said, well, we'll make your dreams come true. And so now you can hover over the like button with your little mouse or your little pointer finger right there, and it'll give you this whole like tray to choose from. And you can push a heart button, which says, I love this. And it's like this more, or I'm laughing so hard that I'm crying, I'm LOLing. That's laugh out loud. I know that now. You got to be careful with those kind of things because they can get you in a lot of trouble if you don't know what they actually mean. Um, so that's what basically Moses does right here. He says, all right, here's who God is, and now I'm going to command you to love. You know, the thing about love is it, it changes the game. Love changes our priorities. Whenever you love something, everything — it's all different now. I remember it hadn't been too long after Sarah and I started dating that I knew. I loved this girl. I mean, Lincoln, Ocean, Victor, Edward, we were in love. I couldn't think about anything else. I would spend every penny of money that I had trying to see her, trying to — I mean, it was like everything that I did in life revolved around her because I loved her so much. My old friends, we — I mean, they were dead to me. Not because I didn't love them anymore, but because I found something that was way better to love, and it was her. And I remember she lived 30 minutes from my house, and every day I'd get off of work, and, you know, I'd drive to her house for — you know, it was about a 20-minute drive to get there from where I was working. And then sometimes, whenever I was working at UP, I mean, it was—I'd like have to drive 50 minutes or an hour to get there. I'd spend about 15 minutes with her before I'd have to drive 30 minutes back home so I could get in bed and so I'd wake up in the morning. And like, I would do stupid stuff. To—I mean, anybody else that was like, why in the world would you spend an hour and a half driving for 15? When you love something, it don't matter. You—you you pursue it, you chase it because you, man, you love it. I did really good to me. I had a truck. It was an 87 Chevy. Man, it had dual tanks, 350, dual exhaust, glass packs. It sucker was loud. I mean, I could set off car alarms with it. You know, just... It was awesome. Got terrible gas mileage, like seven. Seven miles to the gallon. So I'd fill this truck up. You know, if we were going to go out on a date, I'd drive to pick her up, and then we'd drive to Fort Smith, and then on the way back, we'd fill both tanks up again. And that was like when gas was a dollar and ten cents a gallon or so. And I mean it was just like costing me a ton of money to drive. That didn't matter. I spent every penny of money that I had. Because I couldn't wait. Man, I couldn't wait to see her. I still can't. If you ever leave me, I'm going to go with you. That's just a, that's what's going to happen, so, so we're, we're going to stay together. When you love something, you're just, you're just eat up with it. You can't think about anything, you can't even really think, it's just like, oh this is controlling and consuming everything that you, that you know and you love. I mean, people who are eat up with something like that, they love it, they talk about it. Man, they put their profile picture of it. They've, I mean, they'll defend it, they'll promote it, they want other people to love it too. When you love something, it changes everything. And Moses says to love God. And then he gives us some specifics on how to love God. With all. You know what that word literally translates, the word All. I looked it up because I I really wanted to make sure that I got this right. And here's what it translates. All, the whole, everything, with all your heart. Here's what what that word heart translates. Heart, mind, character, inner self, will, intention, center. Did you know that the word heart, the, the word cardia, that's used there, is used over 800 times in the Bible, and never once does it refer to our blood pumping muscle. It always refers to our intention. Like, put your your heart into it. You know, if you want your marriage to work, man, you gotta put your heart into it. You want your job to work, you gotta put your heart into it. You wanna be successful, you gotta put your heart into it. You wanna love your kids, put your heart into it. Put your emotions, your affections into it. And then he says to love God with all our souls. That means our vital breath, the breath of life, the seat of our affections and will. That's deep stuff. I don't even know what all that means. And then he says to love God with all our might. And this is one of my favorites, because there's three words that are used to really define and describe this word might. And the first one is my favorite just because it's a word that is hardly ever used, and here's the word. You ready for this? Muchness. I'm just going to start using that. That's a bad-to-the-bone word right there, muchness. I'm bringing the muchness to this deal, all right? That's might, all right? I'm going to bring the muchness. What is that? It's muchness. It's might. It's big. It's awesome. Force. Abundance. That's what that word might means, muchness, force, abundance, with all your force. Love the Lord God with all your force. Star Wars fans are like, yeah, we are, right? With all of your abundance, whatever you've got, man, love the Lord with that. The wrap-up is basically your wholehearted devotion. Because God has given us his best, we're gonna give him our best. So what does that mean for us today? And here's the wrap up. I'm not gonna give you guys any resolutions to follow. I I don't think that's a good idea, but here's what I will do. I'll give you some principles of firsts. Some priority principles that if you'll apply these into your life, I believe with all my heart, because these are rooted, rooted very much in scriptural principles, that, that 2017 will be different than 2016 for you. I believe if you'll put these principles into effect, these first principles, I believe that whenever you come to the end of 2017 and begin 2018, you'll go, I'm glad that we did that. Okay? And, and here's, here's some of what they are. I want to give God the first day of the week. That's a good principle to live by. Just, just make, it, make it a habit. Make it a commitment. What some of you guys need to do is you need to say, you know what? The first day of the week is Sunday. Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. I'm going to go with my family. I'm going to take my family, my friends, I'm going to get myself up out of bed, and I'm going to go to church On Sunday, and you need to mark it down. You need to make a commitment that says, "You know what? If there's 52 weeks in this year, we're going to try our dead level best to be there 50 of them, or 52 of them." That's a good idea. You know that that's not going to be a detriment to your life. That's going to be a great benefit. Where else do you get together together with God's people to worship Him, to learn about Him? to move together, to grow together? Where else do you get to assemble in small groups and talk about and dissect the Word of God and what that means for our lives, how to, how to find out how do we apply these principles and these laws and these things in God's Word that we want to make our lives match up with Him? Where else do you get to do that? You know, I've heard guys that hunt and fish and all that kind of, well, I can, I'm, I'm really close to the Lord on, uh, whenever I'm up in a tree stand and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's, that's great. And you got all kinds of other time during the week to be close to God to do that. But Sunday morning, get to church. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for not going to church. There's a, well, we stayed up late last night. Well, so get up and get to church, right? If it's important, you're going to get there. Because if your kid had a ball game or a softball game or a baseball game that was scheduled at nine o'clock in the morning, you wouldn't be late to that. It's all about priorities. You're not going to be late to your job in the morning whenever it turns Monday. So do you worship that more than you worship God? I don't know. I'm just just messing around here for a little bit until somebody starts throwing stuff. (laughs) You know what? Whenever we commit the first day of the week to God, though, whenever we give that to him, here's what we do. We help crowd out the temptation to put things in front of God. We say, God, you're first. You, get the first. you get the best day, the best hour, the best time slot to sleep in, to relax. To, no, you, God, we're going to give it to you. That's a big deal. Consistent Sunday worship is a great idol killer. You might say, you know what, we, we, we play travel ball on Sundays. Did your kid, you know, sign up for that, or did you? Did you sign your kid up? Okay, well... You knew it was going to be on Sunday, right? I'm just saying. If you're going to be part of the family of God, Sunday needs to be a big deal. We play ball. I get it. Nobody respects Sunday anymore. That's that's when you got your travel tournaments and all that kind of stuff. And so here's what we do. We say, we'll play on Saturday. And if we got a game that's scheduled on, on Sunday morning, you just gotta to have to play it without us. And then after we get done, if we can make the next one, if there's an afternoon game or we play later on in the day, hey, we'll come join right back up with you. But know this, up front, Sunday is our priority. To get together, to worship together. Make a commitment to give God the first. Man, some people are like, you know what? I just don't like the music there at that church, so I'm just not going to go. It doesn't make me, it just doesn't feel like it used to feel. You know, if your primary primary concern is, for your church services, how the music makes you feel, then you need to examine who you're really worshiping. I'll just continue now. My parents really taught me, they taught me this principle. Man, I was, I was in church, I was always in church from the time we were, we were kids. We just knew we were going to church on Sunday morning. I was a kid like everybody else, and you know what, sometimes I'd be like, yeah, I don't feel good. Oh, really? Do you need to throw up? No. Then you feel all right. Let's go to church. Mama just threw up. Oh, good. Now you feel better. Drink some milk here and let's go to church. You know, we'll be all right. We're going to church. Now, listen, if you've got the flu or something like that, please keep that to yourself. We have an internet broadcast that you can log on to and worship right there. Now, that's not for every week, right? That's for when you can't get here for something like that. That's a convenience. All right, this is the big deal, that we're together, worshiping as the body of Christ, moving together. I'm, I'm grateful for godly parents. And, and here's, what, here's what you need to know as, as a parent, is your job is not necessarily to raise godly children as, as much as it is for your children to have godly parents. Your job is not as much to raise godly children as it is to much to make sure that your children have godly parents. And there's a big shift in those two things. So we got to give God the first day of the week, and then give God your first or best hour of the day, all right? You start each day with God. Make a commitment to spend time with God the very first part of your day, and here's what it does. It gets your mind and your heart ready to face whatever's going to happen for the day. It gets you logged in and locked on to who is first. Give God the first hour of the day. It's like the pregame speech, right? None of the teams that played yesterday, college football last week, none of them just showed up to the game, got dressed, and the coach never came in, never said anything before the game. He just like, They just ran out onto the field and started playing. That doesn't happen. Every day is like a game, okay? You got quarters. Like, you got your first quarter, like halftime is kind of like lunch, right? And, and what happens at lunch, at halftime, man, you, need, you probably need to hear from the Lord again, okay? Because there's probably some things that you need to reset already. I know I do. I know my Arkansas Razorbacks did, good night, that was depressing, it was like somebody just needed to go back to the coach or maybe, I don't know, we'll just not even go there. But we've got to hear from, we've got to hear from the Lord every day and throughout the day. Give God the best part of the day. Preparing is, is the key in all that, preparation to put God first. Another thing that Bobby Knight said was, the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It's the will to prepare to win. That's the secret. And that's, what, that's what giving God that first hour of the day is. You're preparing to win the day to live a victorious life for Jesus Christ that day. Prepare to meet him by putting him first. So you've got to give God the first day of the week. You've got to give him the first hour of the day. And then give God a week out of your year. I believe this is a great principle that, that you should give God a week at some point during the year. Go on a mission trip. Volunteer with student ministry to go to camp, with the children's ministry. Volunt- I mean, Get involved serving the Lord outside of your normal context. Go out of the state, go out of the country. Really Texas is its own country, right? So you can just go out of the state and you are out of the country, but really do something outside your normal routine. You may just set aside a week of a, of, and say, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to serve our neighbors every day this week. We're going to do something intentionally for one solid week that just says, God, this is your week, and I want you to do something in me and through me throughout this week of the year so that I'll know you better and I'll be able to love you more. Isn't that a good idea? I think it is, or I wouldn't have said so. Man, there's something about making an intentional spot for God and just saying, God, you're right here. Day of the week, hour of the day, week of the year, and give God the first dime of the dollar. Now, a lot of you guys are going to go, well, I was with you right up until there, right? Listen, here's what Moses does. As he's getting ready to, to shout out this stuff here in, in chapter six, what he's been doing is he's been talking about who God is. And how to make sure that our hearts are following after, after God. And the thing about this—this this give God the first dime of every dollar—we call this a tithe, and that ten percent is not—it's not so much about what God needs. God, it's all God's. I mean, if you if you belong to God, then everything that you have belongs to God too. Which the good news about that is, everything that God has also belongs to you. But the thing about my heart is, I don't want what belongs to God, I want what belongs to me. And my heart and my money are linked. And if I don't become a giver, I'll never really understand who God is. I'll never really live an effective life for him. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now I don't know why, but for some reason in my mind, I had gotten this flipped, okay? And it's a very important difference. I used to, it was like, for where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be also. How many of you guys have just thought of it like that? Am I the only idiot in the room? Because that's how I did I was like, wherever my treasure is, man, or wherever my heart is, that's where my treasure's gonna be. That's not what this says. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart's gonna follow your treasure. And there's a very different paradigm that happens right there. Have you ever seen a bumper sticker going down the road that says, my kid and my money go to the university of such and such? Right? Well, that's because that's where their money's going. Now, they're gonna, they want that school to do well. They want their kid to do well. They want their money to be well spent. I like my money though. Y'all, anybody, right? See, I like my money so much that if I don't get this right, I'll be worthless. I mean, I'll be so eat up with myself, I can't, nobody will be able to stand me. For the time we got married, Sarah and I made a commitment. We just said, you know what, we're gonna gonna tithe, we're gonna be tithers and givers. So we're gonna take the first 10% and we're gonna give that directly to God through the local church. And then after that, we're going to give. We're going to support. We're going. We're going to do things. We're going to give people, and and we do that. And does that ever get? E- does that ever get easier? I don't know. Does it ever get easier for y'all? Sometimes it doesn't. And you know, you've heard. Well, you need to just give till it hurts. But really, we we got to give till it feels good. Because the Bible's always true, and it is more blessed to give than to receive. And whenever you make somebody's day, whether they know it was you or not. Man, that's where it is. Give the first dime of the dollar to God. Make sure that you know, that he knows that you know that it's all his. So the first day of the week, hour of the day, week of the year, and the dime of the dollar. Some principles to keep the first things first. So now, I just want to ask you a few questions. Looking back on 2016, did you love God last year? I mean, really love God. That's one of those hard questions, because I mean, we can be like the Pharisee, like the scribe. And we can say, you know what? Well, I, I kept all the law, and uh, you know, I did good right here, and but, but you really know whether you loved God or not. There's a difference, and it's not like quantifiable necessarily, but you, I mean, you know. Did you love God last year? I mean, really love God. Maybe you blew it in 2016, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to repeat those mistakes again. I want 2017 to be different. I need a change. Just a minute. We're going we're to have a small invitation. It's not going to be long. You're going to have an opportunity to just come to this altar, and you're going to say, God, I messed up last year. And I don't want to take that same track this year. I want to make a change. I want to start new and fresh, and I want to follow you today. I want to commit to you. Do you love God today? I mean, really, like... Whenever you got up this morning, you're like, oh, I've got to get to church by 11 o'clock, we're not even having small groups, what's the point of going? <laughs> Anybody? Your house? Oh, the kids are sleeping, man. School's starting back up tomorrow, they're going to have to get up early. Last day to sleep in, Ah, oh. Right? Do you love God today, or is it just, just like religious life that you're living? God doesn't care about your religious life. He cares. Do you love him with everything you've got? That's the command. Do you know God today? Man, you might be here and you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing any of this. I don't don't even know what it means to love God. Here's the big backstory. is right here. When God made that promise to Abraham, that covenant to him, here's what he said. The last part was the most important. He said that through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And we just celebrated that blessing about a week ago when we celebrate and we remember the birth of the Savior. And the reason that Jesus came to be born was so he could die for our sins. So that he could take the punishment that God demands for, for the mess-ups and for the mistakes and for the, everything wrong that we've ever done, all that guilt, all that shame. Jesus said, I've died on the cross, and I'll pay that penalty for you. And today he offers that to you. You may be thinking, you know what, there's no way that God can love me after what happened in 2016. You're dead set wrong. I mean, that's what the Bible says, that God loves you. That if you'll call out to him that he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive your sin and, and and, and any trespasses, God is a God that loves to forgive. Or maybe you just need to commit today. You say, you know what? I, I really just need to get the first things first every single day in my life. That's what I want to do. I want to get the first things first. I want to put God first. First day of the week. First hour of the day. First dime of the dollar. For, uh, and one week out of the year. I'm, I'm going to, man, Stu, I'm I'm in. Well, I'm going to give you. a a little, I mean, we're just going to kind of link this all together and I'm going to give you a challenge. All right. So Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years and then Deuteronomy takes place over a span of about 40 days. So for me this year, here's, uh, this is just my first 40 project. If you're really cool, hashtag first 40, right? So every day, man, I'm every morning, every Sunday morning, you know where I'm going to be? Right here. Every morning, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be spending time with God. One week out of the year, man, we're we're taking a team to Haiti here in the end of February, and uh, man, I'm pumped up about that. We've got all kinds of trips that you can say, God, you know what, use me however you want to use me. I'm ready to go. Jump in, give God a week of the year, and you say, you know what, We've, we've not been tithing, we've not been giving, all of our money's been ours, I promise you, I promise you, God even promises, give, and it'll be given back to you. It just works. I don't know how. I'm not God. And that's a good thing, because he's way smarter than I am. So would you commit to that first 40, say, you know what, first 40 days, I'm in. I read a lot about how long it takes to, to make a habit. And, you know, the common research is 21 days, and it takes 21 days to form a new habit. But there's some more recent research that says, depending on who you are, it could take anywhere between 8 and 254. So, you know, the first 40 days, that really just gets you through about February the 9th. Not very long. Man, that's a good start. And then you can just take the next 40, and then take the next 40. And every day, every day, put the first things first. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are, for being a God that loves us beyond what we've done and who knows who we are. And you love us anyway. God, I thank you that your, your commands and your principles, Lord, are not for our harm. They're for our benefit. And when we give to you, Lord, you give back in ways that we can't even imagine. That you wait to give us. So Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be disobedient like the, like the children of Israel back then that, that said, Lord, we, we're not going to do what you said. I pray that we wouldn't have to wander around in our own wilderness. I pray that 2017 wouldn't be a wilderness for us, Lord, but it would be, it would be a journey to a, a land, to a promised place where we know you And we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. With everything that we've got, Lord, we passionately love you. God, thank you for reminding me to put the first things first. Thank you for reminding me to continue to do some things. Lord, to stop doing some things and to start doing some things. Thank you for this time, this new year. God, I pray that we would give everything that we've got to you. You've given us your best. God, I pray that we would give you our best, and that the people in this room, those who follow you, would be incredibly blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand, and we'll start the invitation. We've got some pastors up here at the front. If you need to come and pray with one of the pastors, come on. If you just need to spend some time at the altar just talking to the Lord, Man, there's no better time than right now.